Jesus is God. And if there's any doubt in your mind that's really true, you'll want to stay tuned for today's Grow in Grace. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can try and shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him. You can try and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. And he did not intend to. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your love Welcome to Grow in Grace Pastor Ed Ray is leading us through the Gospel of John right now. And as we return to chapter 5 today, we see what it takes to pass from death unto life. Jesus promised to the one who hears his word and believes in the one who sent him that they will have eternal life. And that's a promise just as real here in the 21st century as it was when it was first uttered nearly 2,000 years ago. Here's Pastor Ed to begin our study. We're in the Gospel of John. As we continue through, we're in chapter 5. And it is a longer than normal part of the scripture we're going to look at because it needs to be put together in one piece. So John chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill Jesus because he not only broke the Sabbath, according to them, but also said God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does and will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one and has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. 
There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining light, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which my Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent you did not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. He's speaking to Pharisees here. I have come to my Father in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receives honor from one another? And do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father, but there is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how do you believe my word? Stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to teach us this difficult section of Scripture, that we might grow in the wonder of who you are. Teach us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Change us so that when we leave this place, we're different than the way we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're going to need to put your thinking cap on or take a snooze (laughs) because this portion of John, John chapter 5, is full, it's really dense, it's compact. And it's Jesus' argument for deity, that he is God. Now, this section is ignored by those who are caught up in cults who want to say Jesus never claimed to be God, to be deity. But here he does over and over again. He claims to be God, God, the Son. If this is the first time you've studied this part of the scripture, it might seem a little hard to follow at first, but, but once you see the pattern, it's really easy. There are six claims that Jesus makes here, six different ways that he says that he is deity, he is God. And then he's going to give us four witnesses, four things that testify to what he's saying. Now, it's a very logical, reasoned defense of who Jesus is. No surprise, since Jesus is the greatest teacher that ever lived. But we want to break it down as simply as possible so that we can understand it. But not more than that. As Einstein said, make things as simple as possible, but not simpler. You can dumb something down so far that you miss the mystery, the wonder that's in it, and there's a lot here. Now, the... Oxford professor, Magdalen College in Oxford, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. I actually quoted it last week. I've been rereading it. But he has a section that talks about Jesus as God that I think really helps kind of sum up 
this whole area. He said, many people say about Jesus, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can try and shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him. You can try and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. And he did not intend to. So most of us here reject the idea that Jesus was just a great moral teacher. But I'm also aware that there are more than a few here this morning who you're still working your way through this. Okay, you see that we take the Bible seriously here and that Jesus, we're told, died on a cross. But is he really God? Maybe you grew up in a home, uh, particularly a cult like Mormonism, where Jesus was called the son of Lucifer, the brother of Lucifer, excuse me, and the son. No, that's not possible. He claims to be God here in six different ways. Or maybe you have, there was a, a guy I know well in the last service who's a Buddhist, and he's trying to figure out who Jesus is, and that's fine. We're glad you're here, because that's what we do here. We examine the Bible trying to understand this message that God has left for us so that we can correctly put him in the right category in our own lives. So it's good to look and ask questions, even though they're difficult ones. So here, we're trying to find truth and not some sort of dogma that I just believe myself. We, we try and look at the Bible and say, you know what? Let's believe this book and what comes out of it. You see, if you don't open yourself up to truth, if you don't say, well, I'm willing to hear something new, then you'll never be moved towards God because that's what he's doing. He's sending more and more light, L-I-G-H-T, more understanding. That in fact, this gift he calls faith is happening right now. Faith comes from hearing the word. That's why we study this book. It is the word of God. And it brings more faith into our lives. So there are some astounding claims here that Jesus is making about himself being God incarnate in the flesh. So in the last chapter, just to catch us up in chapter 4, we saw Jesus claiming to be Messiah. What does that mean? He was talking to a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, which was unusual for a Jewish rabbi to talk to a woman. And she was kind of flabbergasted by it. And she said, why are you talking to me? And he said, I have truth. And she said, well, we're expecting the Messiah. We're looking for the Messiah to come. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Boom. Now that's the clearest he's ever been up to this point, chapter four, about who he was. Now he's going to say even more. 
Now, this chapter, if you were with us last time, records a miracle. One of the seven signs, one of the seven wonders that are in this gospel written by John, who was there, who saw all these things firsthand, he's writing down what he's hearing. This is a confrontation because this man who had been lame, handicapped, unable to walk for 38 years, was laying alongside a pool with a whole bunch of other men and women who were sick and they were hoping that there would be a miracle at that place. So Jesus comes straight to this man, the one who's been there the longest, and he says, do you want to be healed? Of course. But that isn't what the man said. Well, I'm not sure. You know, I try and get down to the water. I need some help and nobody will help me. And and I'm kind of stuck here. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, that would be a ridiculous saying to say to a person in a wheelchair today, unless you were God. And he did. And he stood up, grabbed his bed, and started walking. Well, that made the Jewish leadership, the rabbis in that area, upset. They didn't see the miracle happen. They just saw him walking down the street with his bedroll under his arm. They said, what are you doing on the Sabbath? Because they believed that you couldn't do any labor on the Sabbath. Why are you carrying your bedroll? He said, well, the man who healed me told me to carry it. He said, who did it? He said, I don't know. I didn't catch his name. <laughs> Later, Jesus explains who he is to him in the temple. And this is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're here in John 5 today, looking at verses 18 through 47. Let's delve deeper into the passage now. This is on top of the Temple Mount, the holiest place in Israel at that time where the temple was. And this is a confrontation between Jesus and the religious experts of Judaism. And he is about ready to make, we're breaking into the story, where he's making this claim. I said six claims to be equal with God. Six times he's going to say he's God. And as Lewis said, so please don't tell me he didn't say it was God. He does. Here, six times. And then four times he's going to give four different witnesses to prove that that's true, that he is who he says he is. So, two main parts. Verse 18 through 29, he claims to be equal with Father God. And then 30 through 47, the witnesses, these four witnesses, agree to his deity. That's where we're going. Thinking caps on. Fasten your seatbelts, here we go. Verse 18, the first claim, he claims to be equal with God. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill Jesus because he not only broke the Sabbath in their eyes, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now, in the Greek language, this is called the perfect tense. What he says is, when he says making himself equal, he's saying continually making himself equal with God. John, the writer of the gospel, said Jesus said this over and over again. Over and over again, he deliberately is pushing these Jewish leaders. In fact, he's racing headlong into a collision with them. Why? Because he loves them too. And he's trying to break through their religious prejudices. He wants them to understand. He wants them to grasp this is God standing in front of them. Now, you can't really blame him for being a little slow to pick that up. (laughs) If somebody walked in here and said, well, I'm God, you'd go, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) And that's what they're doing. 
He's trying to reach them, though, because he cares about them. I want you to see that. I think it's very important that the arguments are not for just the contest. He actually cares about each one of these men who are trying to say, no, the Sabbath is the most important. Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath. Don't tell me the rules are more important. So he's confronting them. And he'll make it even more forcefully in the next verse, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, the Son of God, Jesus, can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do for whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. The Father shows me what to do, is what he's saying. I'm only doing what Father God is doing. I mirror what God is doing. So his first claim is continually he's equal with Father God. Second claim, verse 20, he is the son of God and the father loves the son. He's not a slave. He is in fact God's son. For the father loves the son, and the Greek word is phileo, very fond of brotherly love, shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus is saying, it's going to blow your mind. Stick around. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Where do you see me raise some dead people? Then you'll be oppressed. I'm God. He wants to reach these Jewish leaders. Again, that, that's his motive. Second claim, the father, he is the son of God. Third claim, the son gives life. The son is the source of life physical and spiritually. Pretty astounding claim. 21, for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. You see, life that Jesus is talking about here is more than just living for a long period of time into eternity. He's talking about fullness of life right now, that you should be living a life that is eternal, beginning with your surrender to Jesus Christ. And when you do that, a whole bunch of things happen. It's called this new covenant. God takes out our heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh. He writes his law of love on our hearts and he causes us to walk in his way. He changes us from the inside so that we desire to do the right thing. No one here who claims to be a Christian can claim it's because I'm such a wonderful person. <laughs> No, in spite of you being a horrible, dastardly person, God has given you grace. That's right, I didn't come here to get insulted. Hang on, you'll get insulted more before I'm through. <laughs> the son gives life. He's going to raise the dead. What dead? Hang on just a minute, we'll see it. Fourth claim, he is the judge of the whole earth. Verse 22, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. The son? The son of God or more clearly, God the Son. The Son will stand in judgment. Abraham said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Answer is yes. And the judge of all the earth is the guy standing talking to these Pharisees at this moment. The force of what he's saying must have blown him back. He will bring both mercy and truth, two things that are normally clashing both grace, favor, and justice, the right thing, are found in the Son. That's why he came. He's the judge. 
Fifth claim, sent from Father God. Jesus came from heaven. Now that's a sounding claim again. If somebody said that to you, well, I'm from heaven, you'd go, mm, wait right here, let me call 911. Verse 23, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. This is a pretty forceful statement that we need to honor Jesus Christ, God the Son, as much as we honor Father God. He's talking to Jews. They didn't believe that there was a Son. He said, there's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, he is one God. Hmm, what do we do? with a God who's triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he's claiming. You need to honor the Son, he says, to be blunt. Jesus said, you need to honor me the way you honor Father God. Now, this is a big problem if you're raised in a cult. If you have a Mormon background, <clears throat> you were taught that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, that he's a created being. This verse comes squarely against that. You have to honor the Son, Jesus Christ, as much as you would honor God, the Father. He who does not honor Jesus, the Son, doesn't honor the Father who sent him. Sent him from where? Heaven. <laughs> Father God said, time to go down to earth. Most assuredly, verse 24, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, if you believe that Father God sent me, you have eternal life. If you believe in what I'm saying to you, you have everlasting life. Now, he didn't say if you join a church, you have everlasting life. He doesn't say if you help the little ladies across the street, you'll have everlasting life. If you pay tithe to your church, if you go to every Sunday school class there is, you get to go to heaven. That's not what he said. If you have a perfect attendance at Sunday school, if you read the Bible every day, if you pray for five hours every day, no, you have everlasting life if you trust, if you believe in him and what he says. Well, sounds too easy, Pastor. Oh, it is easy. Easy to understand, but not easy to do. Why? Because we're arrogant, selfish, self-centered, egotistical, prideful men and women. Was that clear? <laughs> I'm trying to be. Our own egos get in the way. We want to run our own life. We're all control freaks, every one of us. And God is saying, surrender, believe, trust me, and you'll have eternal life. A passage like this in John chapter 5 is designed to drive us to the foot of the cross and believe. Maybe a relationship with Christ is just what you need. We encourage you not to just hear the word today, but receive and believe it. And as you do, your life will be forever changed. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship 
And if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging, too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your